Briefers. Alright, we're back. Broker Talk Boys, we're back. And we're here to answer all your questions about real estate. All your real estate questions. Every single one. Write us at broker-talk.com and let us know what's on your mind. I am Jim Lowenstern. My co-host is Larry Lawfer. Before I turn the mic to Larry, I want to say that Broker Talk is sponsored today by Castles Unlimited, where you get the best real estate offers online. Go to castlesunlimited.com for all your real estate needs. Larry, take it away. I'm taking it nowhere, but uh, right into your hearts and minds. Uh, Jim, today we have uh, Andrew Kosikoff. And uh, Andrew owns a company called uh, Fathom Cannabis. He's the CEO of it. He's a licensed cannabis operator in the state of Massachusetts. Been at it some six years right now. So what we're going to talk about today is um, dispensaries. Um, the there are eleven uh, states in the country right now where cannabis is legal in that state. It's still illegal federally. Um, how you find a place to open a store and how you get that done, Andrew knows a lot about that. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much for having me here on Broker Talk. Well, this is such a big business. I mean, I, th I think of all of the liquor stores everywhere, and uh, with the assumption that pot is going to be legal uh, nationwide, uh, this could be a huge business for real estate. Um, tell me a little bit about your background, Andrew. Right. So basically, I actually got started in the cannabis industry. A lot of people ask, how'd you get into that? And I actually started off in software. I started developing a software that did delivery tracking. And by doing that, if you look to who was reaching out to us, the most, the companies that were growing were cannabis delivery companies. Canadian, Canadian people were trying to get into it. California companies were trying to get into it. And so with our software company, we saw that everyone who was signing up were cannabis, cannabis companies. So we started targeting cannabis businesses. And then when I started looking at it, we started seeing how often people are buying cannabis, how many times per week, how many times per month, what's the average ticket per cart? I was like, wow, this is a big, big business. And so one of my friends from childhood, actually, he, we reached out to one another and he, told, and he told me that his family actually started one of these up in Maine. So six years ago, they started a medical marijuana grow up in Maine. So they started growing pot for the med medical market. And after they were growing for a little while, then they started getting into extraction. There are very, very few people doing extraction because it's a much more complicated add-on process. And so once they did that, so we were talking, I said, you know what? If I'm able to get a license here in Massachusetts, is this something that we can do here? And they said, yeah, of course. You can grow pot in Maine, you can grow pot in Massachusetts, you can grow it in California, you can grow it in, in Israel. You can grow you can, you can Not grow in it. other states. Yeah, there you go, there you go. <laughs> So, so, then, so we then went out and we said, okay, how do we get a license here in Massachusetts? And the first thing that you have to do is you have to find real estate. There are so m the zoning is the key to getting cannabis license. So you're going through regulatory, the first thing you're going to go through is zoning, finding a property. So, so we, what we did is we went online and we said, okay, in Massachusetts, what are all the properties that we can use? We need a property 
that is large enough, a property that has the right type of electricity, water hookups, a property that has the right buffer zones, um, a property. And then, so then we then looked at all those properties and we pulled all those up on the And are you only looking for indoor grow or outdoor as well? So at that point in time, we're looking to get into the, we're looking to get into the market. We were focused on getting into the marketplace and the, the faster way to do that is with an indoor grow. You'll notice all of the first companies to start in Massachusetts and many, many other states are indoor grows because they're much, much easier to license. They're much more palatable. Nobody wants to have a big marijuana field in their town. Right. Why? Right. Odor, odor problems are the first thing that comes up. Whenever, Seriously? Yeah, whenever. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that. A guy like you, a guy like you, didn't know that that I, that I, pot. I, I have, pot, I have no idea smells. what you're hey, referring hey, to. Don't make any assumptions. You don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I so, never. So, <laughs> I did inhale. Don't vote for I, me. I did not go to college. <laughs> so, so one of the big things that comes up is part of the state state laws. You have to have you have to have a community outreach meeting. So you have a you have a meeting where you invite all of the abutters within 300 feet of your property by state law. So we invite all these people to the meeting and the biggest concern that they have are, is traffic, odor, and stigma. What about security? I would think that's the, the, the main purpose. You got all that fencing. How are you gonna, how are you gonna, and in five minutes, someone could go through that fence and rip out 20 plants or something and, and run through the woods. I'll tell you right now, if someone- Teenagers, come, uh, if, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm if, not thinking. So, if someone comes within 50 feet of, our facility, the police will know. Right, but yeah. there's a, there's enough security systems. I think. I mean, if you had a these are highly highly secure. So so far we've seen actually in really? Colorado they came out with a with a study that actually showed that there was they that there was very very little crime around dispensaries, and then they compared it to because they thought it was going to be like a liquor store. Oh, liquor stores have crime. They've got L loitering, like CD people. Yeah, yeah, and things happen. Sure. Just the big difference between. A marijuana establishment and a liquor store is there's a big difference between people who smoke pot and people who drink right and that's what comes of it is you don't actually see that much crime around these places so here's the interesting thing about the people the differences between those two people um, you don't need a medical license to go get a drink you can get a drink anywhere right for to be legal here in Massachusetts to go into one of these stores you need a medical license no not anymore not anymore it's legal Okay, but they still have these, so if you're carrying more than a certain amount, um, you need to have the license for it. Um, and mm, I don't think so. What is it, up to an ounce? Or? You can buy an ounce per transaction. Um, yeah, there, no, you don't need a license. Larry, you can go into a store right now and go buy. Um, and maybe I will after this, but uh, <laughs> right now I want to say that if you do have a marijuana card, you cannot have a license for a gun. Okay. And frankly, I'd like to take the license for guns away from the people who are drinking, not the pot people. Correct. They're, they're never going to, you know, you never get stoned and say, let's go shoot somebody. I'm really mad. <laughs> right. Anyway, I divert us. I'm sorry. So, okay. so, it's so only indoors to start with. Ex exactly. So only they said that the red tape, uh, you know, the... What well, the licensing so, fees? Yeah, so and there are limitations well, so on how many there can be, right? Yeah, there's limitations on how many there can be. And not only is there a limitation on how many licenses that there can be, there's a limitation on the type of property that you can actually use. So I'll give you what happened in reality. In reality, we opened up LoopNet and we went to find all the properties that fit our criteria. So basically, we got properties over 20,000 square feet 
in industrial zones um, with at least 10 foot ceilings. We had a list of 500 places. We then looked at those 500 places and about 75% of them were in towns that banned marijuana zoning altogether. Okay, what, what are some towns, for example, close to Boston that are banned? I know the towns that allow much better than I know the towns yeah, that Yeah, let's banned. talk about the ones that are. Okay, so what towns allow? What towns allow? Uh, near Boston, Brookline, Newton. Seriously, Newton and Brookline. Brockton. Allow it. Allow it. Yeah. A town that doesn't yeah, allow it, Westport. Okay. I understand makes, that. Why, why would you understand that? Makes no sense at all. There's nothing there except the beach. And and very wealthy people who don't want a store selling pot where people... Are we talking about dispensaries or grow facilities? All. We're talking about scenario. both. Both. Uh, Andrew's, it, Andrew's capable of doing both. But it's all one and the same? It's the same license? So it's, so it's not the same license. There are different licenses. So what some towns do is some towns allow the use altogether, and then they zone dispensaries in business or commercial, and they zone cultivation, extraction to industrial. Other industrial or agriculture too? No agriculture. That's actually, that is one of the very particular things about marijuana zoning. Marijuana, for the most part, by and far, is not considered an agricultural product. Wow. And therefore, you run into a lot of, you run into a lot of legal Man. issues because all of a sudden, a plant can't be grown on land where we've deemed that plants are supposed to grow. So that right there increases the value of industrial real estate and just increases the cost altogether. You're using more expensive land to grow, whether it's inside or outside. The industrial real estate is more expensive than the ag real estate. So we so we went to we looked at those at those towns, and then we got then we got we went from 500 places to like 100 places. And then in those towns, you have to have a 500 foot buffer from any schools. So then we get knocked down even more. Then you go to the then you go to the landlords, and a large portion of them, especially when you're doing it earlier on in the game, a large portion of them don't want to deal with the use at all. They're unfamiliar with it. They've heard that the federal government can come and take their assets. Um, so now you get knocked down. So we went from like 500 properties. Well, okay, let's stop there. Uh, can they? Can the federal government still do it? It's still a federal crime. I believe that the federal government can technically seize the asset. While Sessions was still the uh, attorney general. Well, let's just talk about now, regardless of Jeff Sessions. Um, well, he was the one who was pushing it, and now with a, uh, with Barr, A.G. Barr in there, he's not pushing it. So, yes, they could, but, but no, they're but not. But we have dispensaries. Do they all own their own real estate, and they're gambling all their money on it not being seized? Some own, some rent. Whoever the owner is, yes, they are. Are you renting or owning? We are renting with the option of purchase, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit why about that because I think it's an interesting subject. But you're not afraid of the of the federal government? N not, not at all. There are so many, there are so many illegal places out there that the government should be worrying about right now, and there are so many legal places out there. But the illegal is, is harder to find. You are right in the Google search. I'd say the phone book, but that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you can you, the illegal places are also easy to find. Ama yeah, amazing, amazingly, really, yeah. amazingly, they make themselves. You just walk quite down well the street. Uh, how, uh, oh, is that just their electric bills? No. Uh, so that's actually, that's that's the old school way of finding an illegal pot grow. Is you actually look at the electric, you look at the electric usage and the water usage. Um, 
No, but nowadays you just go you go on Weed Maps, go on All Bud. All these places are, are advertising places for marijuana companies to list themselves that way consumers can get pot. So they're not licensed, they're illegal, and they're advertising where everyone can see it? Yes. Genius. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I have a, uh, a client I, who was in one of my rental houses, and uh, he was looking to buy. And I wasn't aware of this about him, but I went through the rental, which was also my client, and because we were going to re-rent it to someone new, um, and um, I saw he had a big grow tent. He had seven, six or seven, six plants. Keep it legal. He and his wife had six plants growing, you know, and. Um, one of my tenants asked, came and asked me, um, do, does the grow uh, tent come with the rental? <laughs> I said, no, I think that's going. Might make it more valuable. Personal property. So yeah, I've exactly. actually seen some residential lease clauses that say that you're not allowed to grow in the apartment. Technically, according to state law, that is illegal right now. They illegal are illegal to put that clause in the lease. Correct. Okay. They are this the state house is working now to make it legal for a landlord to put that clause in. But even if they put it in, uh, what's the legality of them coming in and doing inspections? You're right. And it uh, might not even pass. I, I don't think they're going to get it. Right. Yeah. There was a question that came up, and I was in a meeting, a Mar Massachusetts Association of Realtors Leadership um, uh, Committee meeting today, and one of the things that came up is that on the national level, NAR um, is concerned about the ability for people who work for cannabis companies, say you're an employee of, of, of your coming uh, business, that will they be able to get loans? Will that be a stigma because the the income is not being shown in the same way? Um, so this so this is such an interesting topic because ninety five percent of the people who I speak to they always ask me. So what do you do with all the cash? Yeah. Well, you're not allowed to open up a bank account for that company. So that's correct. The, so that the other question that they ask is so that's what they're saying when they ask what do you do with the cash? What do you do about a bank account? And it's the biggest myth in the cannabis cannabis industry. Every single legal cannabis operator has a bank account. It's just not Bank of America, and it's not Chase. Or Wells Fargo. Right. Okay, so it would be, okay, so it would be a small bank in the area where it's legal? I feel like if I name them right now, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. They'll be, they'll be busy. But, but it's, <laughs> you know, like Bank of Canton. Canton, Massachusetts yeah, has a Bank of Canton. Could it be Bank of Canton? They're just in Massachusetts. It, could, it could be. It's great. A random bank in Massachusetts, correct. A random bank in Maine. A random bank in... And you in, take credit cards? So you can't, you can't take credit cards. Why is that? Um, I actually don't know why you can't take credit cards, but you, you can't take credit cards. You, take de you can take debit and... And what really happens in reality is that basically the dispensary is taking debit or, tra or cash transactions. Yeah. So they have a lot of debit transactions, which are normal. They have a lot of cash transactions. Not, checks. Not as normal. Probably not. No checks just because of the logist logistical problem. And then from they have a bank account. They then deliver that money. My bank actually requires that all cash that's delivered is delivered after hours by an armored vehicle that they have approved the company. And then... Any business done between producer, i.e. cultivator or manufacturer and dispensary, is all check. There's no big, there's no $250,000 
bag, bag of cash being transferred from a from a dispensary to a grow. Too Not bad. even in weeds. Too, that was many years ago. Too, too bad. Uh, but okay, but you're taking debit cards but not credit and you have no idea why no it's all cash what's i mean it, no there's, debit there's, cards there's, no there's there's some there's some type of of regulation in there that's different with a debit transaction versus a credit transaction because you can buy beer with a credit card but you can't yeah, buy it's not a legal federal substance exactly oh so it has to do with the federal yeah, yeah it's a federal federal issue and with the, the credit cards and with the credit they're they're more of a national you know, Visa and MasterCard, it's not That's state sure. to state. What's yeah. in your wallet? Yeah. Well, that, well, well, capital banks even all over the place, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, how many licenses are there for Massachusetts, for example? So in all of Massachusetts right now, there are, how many, how many are active? How many are pending? What's the, what's the, what are you looking for? Well, how many total in, in the end? In the, in the end. So basically, this is actually another interesting zoning issue. A lot, of, a lot of cities, five years ago, no cities or towns had any marijuana ordinance whatsoever. Blank. Then once cannabis was legalized, they said, okay, now we have to choose, what, are we gonna zone this or are we not gonna zone this? So, so a lot of towns banned it. There you go, there's not gonna be any marijuana in those towns. The towns that allow the use, what a lot of the towns did who allow the use is that they limited the number of dispensaries to 20% the amount of liquor licenses. <laughs> so basically, if there are 10 liquor stores in your town, you have two. Highly likely you're gonna have two dispensaries. Yeah. Which is good for those dispensaries. Great for, the, great for those dispensaries who get in. And that's what makes, so now the first part about getting a dispensary is getting the real estate. And that makes that piece of real estate that much more valuable. Because if I am able to get one out of the two available licenses in this town on this piece of real estate, that piece of real estate is worth a lot of money to okay, me. Okay, so that's why you option it. Because you know it's, it's, it's probably going to be a gold mine. And you don't want to move it because the license is specific to the address? The license is specific to the property and the person. Unlike liquor licenses. Correct. Which you can, uh, the, the address isn't part of it. And when you go to the landlord with the application and he says, what are you going to be doing? You tell him. Yeah, you, 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 you can't really hide that. So you can't hide that. Also, you also need their cooperation. In the, in the end, once you start doing the application, if there's, a, if there's a landlord involved, the state does require that the landlord acknowledges the use. In the, in the landlord also, it's actually more of a contingency that we're going to purchase this property based upon getting getting state licensure, but it's the option to purchase because no federal bank will give you a mortgage on the property. So if the property is worth, let's say a million dollars, purchase price is a million dollars, I as a cannabis operator have to actually hand the owner a million dollars in order to make the transaction instead of putting, let's say for a commercial property, 25% down and getting a note. So a that's mortgage. a barrier to entry as well. Absolutely. And yeah. do the landlords tend to up the dollar per square foot a little bit. What do you think? I'm thinking, yeah, why wouldn't they? No, 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 no. Not a little bit. A lot. Okay, so they're asking 20 a foot, and now they want 30 all of a sudden? No, now, they're they, trying to cash now they want 60. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. 
It, it, it's amazing. And, and do the the numbers support that? I mean, is no, it, the, it, the number the numbers don't support that. So what happened is that this industry is now getting a little bit more mature in the state of Massachusetts. Right. It's been a slow rollout, but people who are open today started this in 2011, 2012, 2013, maybe. If you started it in 2014 or 2015, you're probably barely open in the state of Massachusetts today. So back when those companies were getting started, landlords had no idea the value in the license and in that property. But what they did know is that they were very worried about doing it. Therefore, there were few landlords who wanted to do it. Now, with the news that's come out and people have had sales, we know, for instance, for instance Netta in Brookline, they had $28 million in sales from their, uh, from their Brookline dispensary alone. That was just this week. <laughs> no, no. Is, is that the one in the old bank? Yeah, that's the one in the old right. bank. Okay. So, so, so now everyone sees that in the news. So now all the landlords say, oh, I want a piece of that. Let's raise the rent. And I've seen some, landlord, some landlords try to do this, but I haven't seen anyone actually do it because in practicality it doesn't really work. But they want to do um, a percentage of sales and breakpoint. No. It doesn't actually end up working in practicality because then you, sub you subject yourself to all types of state regulation as the owner of the building so no one ends up doing it but that's what these that's what people are thinking that now they're going to cash in up it doesn't doesn't really work landlords were always trying to think of a way to gather more cash right for themselves okay it's so did we get the number of, of uh dispensaries for the whole state uh dispensaries for the whole state as of right now the number that could open but aren't open i believe is 38 uh sorry 88 i believe we're currently at 37 open dispensaries as of 88 week. for the whole state currently and then in the line to open up meaning people who have gotten real estate they have got the operator's license no not gotten the operator's license so the, those yeah. so those ones are 80 those ones are 88 they've gotten the operator's license they just haven't fully opened yet but then there's another two there's another 200 that have acquired the property or have the property under agreement they've gotten a host community agreement from their town they have submitted all of their management profiles and all of their information to the state and the state has said yes you have submitted everything that you have to submit now we just have to review it and go through the red tape and that red tape takes a long long time yeah that's that's i, I that's, think there's one that's slated for opening in newton I think there is one it's already open. open. Yeah, there's already open in Newton. <coughs> there in is Newton. one in Newton. Yeah, yeah. yeah Garden Remedy is open in yeah. Newton, and then there's actually one slated to open in uh, Coolidge Corner. Interesting. So some of these you can just walk into. A lot of them you have to call in to make an appointment. So uh, it's kind of like the the genius at, at the Apple Bar. Mm -hmm. You know, you call in, and, that makes sense. and some nerd's going to be there. So when there's you, not a line out the door. Exactly, which which handles traffic issues. So in the future, this twenty percent probably will be reviewed again because it obviously is creating too much business for just a few people. I mean, we'd li we'd like to think so, but I guess it depends on how hard people lobby. Right. Or those who have the license hope it doesn't <laughs> extend, so they keep that monopoly. So, um, how many dispensaries do you have? Uh, so we so we don't we don't have any dispensaries. We're purely a cultivation and an extraction business. Okay. Are you looking for more space to grow? 
we we have we have space to grow. We've got a good facility. It's a thirty thousand square foot facility with a greenhouse out in West Boylston, Massachusetts. Um, that that's a hit. good size, thirty thousand. Yeah, that's a feet. that's a very it's a very very decent size. The largest that you can go in the state of Massachusetts is a hundred thousand square feet of canopy. Um, that's a lot. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. But the but the state does support it. There, it's this is this is expected to be a one point five to two billion dollar industry in the state of Massachusetts. Yeah, that's a big business. Last year. 2019, there was $400 million in sales. So we still have. And that's the sales that you can go. track. That's the sales. That's not, that, that's, that's not Buddy down on the, uh, you know, corner. Well, that's, that's, that's pure legal market. That's why it's only at 400 million. It's definitely, yeah. it's expected next in 20, in 2020 to be 900 million because it takes time for the rollout. Right now, this, right now, you, some people have to travel 40 minutes to get to a dispensary. So guess what happens? They don't travel to a dispensary, and that's because no, they it's been get very it from their role. friend, right? Who probably sells it for less. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, uh, that was one of the points I read that sells the, it for the, less and has no tax on it. Right, and uh, so more here, risk there, but the risk is uh, it's always been a risk. More risk there, and also the big thing is why do people buy from the legal market if it's more expensive? Because it's tested and it's known and it's quality and it ha and it has it has branding and it has consistency and you know what you're getting there's a reason why you buy food at a supermarket that come you know exactly what you're going to get when exactly. you're buying Mott's apple juice a lot of sugar <laughs> um but that let, let's throw the vape in here right now because the vape issues ha, have been because it's not regulated and and so explain to me what you did right before we went on air about the vitamin a yeah, so, so, so the vape issue is, is a big, big issue. So basically what happened is they found out that people were getting sick from vapes, and, and Governor Charlie Baker then had a, a, um, a ban on all, on all vape products because they're saying, like, people are dying from this. We have to do something. And Charlie Baker was one of the first people and one of the boldest people to say, we're putting a stop, a stop to this. We're going to have to figure this out. After all the studies and all the work that the DPH did, they found out that it was vast majority of vapes from the – not about – Vapes from the black market, there were certain brands that had a special additive in it called vitamin E. Vitamin E is not toxic in of itself. It's a topical. It's in many, many lotions. We know about vitamin E. It's no surprise. It's not, a, it's not, something, that we, that it's not something new that we just manufactured. But you don't smoke it. The difference is, is now we started vaping vitamin E. Yeah. And guess what we found? We found that that is a lung problem. So now... The state found that out and the state said, okay, great. We are now going, state banned flavored nicotine uh, vape products in order to kind of curb the teen thing, that's one area. And then the state cannabis Con control commission started testing for vitamin E. That way they, they could guarantee that all vapes produced in the legal market don't contain vitamin E in it. And then vapes came back on the shelf. Oh, they are on the shelf. Yep. Yeah. This, I, is, this is why you go to a legal place. Because I, I think uh, I saw some news uh, episode uh, last week where the guy was closing his business because he couldn't sell vapes anymore. Yeah, if, you're a vape, if you're a vape shop selling e-liquid, e yeah, you're out of business. Even though it's legal now again. Even though it's legal now again, but it's, well, I mean, you got to hold the property, you got to pay your rent and you got to pay your employees and you got lots of problems over so the three-month period. Oh, okay. So it was only three months? Yeah, about oh. even oh. less. So to, just kind of uh, to bring us up to speed here, um, a lot of hoops to jump through, um, a lot of yeah. uh, neighborhood stuff, zoning stuff, uh, committees. Um, it doesn't uh, sound that bad. 500 feet from a school. I mean, that's 
you know, that, that doesn't eliminate a lot of properties. Well, you went. It from eliminates a lot of properties. If you're trying to be, if you if you really look, so basically, it's a 500 feet from the property line to property line. Right. So that right there really changes the 500 foot image. A lot of schools have big properties to them, so you could theoretically be 1,200 oh, okay. feet so from the not, school. Okay, so it's not the building; it's the entire property lot. line to property line. I see. And okay. also, they usually put schools near the center village let's call it so therefore it knocks out areas of the village add that in with some towns that have an overlay district where it can only go in this overlay you get to very very few properties are in the cultivation of this is there a breakdown between people who are doing hydroponic versus people who are uh, growing actual plants in in dirt yeah they're soil soil it sounds better <laughs> so <laughs> So there's there's definitely a breakdown. You see that there's a you get a different type of product when you do hydroponic versus, versus soil cultivation. A lot of people are doing soil cultivation because the yield is much much higher. Mm-hmm. Mm. We actually started off in Maine doing hydroponic. And we found we were getting very very fluffy buds. What does that mean? We got beautiful looking buds, but you sell pot based upon the weight, and there's more pot in there. So it grows differently. Grow for sure. Bo- it grows bottom line. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Good. What's your favorite stoner movie? Oh, Do you have half, one? Yeah, yeah, Half Baked. Half Baked. It's also, it's, it's also my favorite ice cream. Is that um, Cheech and Chong? <laughs> no, that's obviously your favorite. What? Uh, no, I, I don't watch any of them. I'm just asking. Half Baked was with Dave Chappelle. Okay, I'll have to watch that. Then. Yeah. And with a close second, Grandma's Boy. Didn't see that one. How can you not? I didn't see it. Those are both things. great movies. Anyway. Um, that was kind of off topic. Can, can, can uh, okay, so you said under canopy. Uh, that, that's just me under the roof. No, right? so th- yeah, that's a great, that, so canopy is like the big, big word. It's all, what are, what, what is your license judged on? How much flowering canopy that you have? So I could have 20,000 plants and only 1,000 of them in flowering mode. So let's just call it 120th, make it easy, 5%. And I'm only judged, or the license is only judged based upon the flower canopy. So in your building, you got a 20,000 square foot building, let's say, 10,000 of that is for logistics. 5,000 of that is for veg, where you're growing the plant and there's no flower on it and there's nothing to smoke and there's nothing active. And then only 5,000 square feet out of that 20,000 is actually canopy space. And that's how the license is judged. You have a maximum of 100,000 square feet of flower canopy so you're talking about flowering plants that's what canopy is that's what canopy is and that's what the limit that's what the license limitation is so there's not an unlimited amount of pot that can grow in the state i have friends in california they have two hundred and forty thousand square feet of flowering space. right so yeah i i did want to speak about that because um i think it was 60 minutes uh did an episode about all the excess that and and i haven't been watching the um the marijuana stocks in the last uh, year, but I was trading them, uh, Tilray and Canopy Growth and all that. And they said there, there may be so much supply right now, like for the next 30 years as of this moment, and that the prices would go down. So, yeah. so what, what's been going on? Just so what's so interesting about the American system is that there's no interstate trade. So for instance, Oregon, has a huge abundance 
of legal pot on the market. So therefore the price dropped because the supply is so much, but you can't take any of that extra supply from Oregon and sell it into well, Colorado no, that would, that was, Well, that was exactly what the whole uh, uh, 60 Minutes uh, was about. They said it's, it's being shipped out of California everywhere. Black market. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Correct, black, correct, black market. So, and so, and so that, and that, what that does is that drives down the black market price and legal pot stays the same expensive price, but people still go to the legal market because they know exactly what they're getting. They don't have to worry about any pesticides. They don't have but to it's worry. But it's the same. I mean, if they grow it in California. No, no, it's not, not, it's not the same because they go by different rules. There are rules in the legal market about what pesticides or, or organic oh, okay. materials that you can use. A black market guy, he can put in whatever he wants to put in it. Okay. Or you can add anything. You can, yeah, so, anything at all. So even indoors, you've got to worry about Insects and indoors? Yeah, yeah. Amazingly enough, you have to worry about insects indoors. Why is that? Why is that? Because Where they, are they coming from? They, they get introduced into the environment. They just kind of get in. It's kind of like in your house. Do you, ha do you have... Have uh, you ever had an ant? Ant, an earwig. <laughs> maybe a... Uh, ooh, no. Uh, maybe I don't a, even know what maybe, an earwig is. Maybe, I don't want to know. Maybe a, maybe a spider once in a while. Okay, okay. well, well, well done by up, you. I keep up with them, <laughs> you know? But, so okay, so it's coming in in the, in the dirt, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's the soil. Sorry, soil. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's coming. It's coming in the dirt. It's coming in. It, there's some of these things that are microscopic. It's kind of like they come in in, um, uh, in spore. Like it's very uh, very small. Okay, so it's not something you actually even see. It's just it's well. At a certain point, you don't see it, and at a certain point, it grows, and then you do see it. And so that's one of the things that you have to worry about in indoor cultivation is that you are creating the outdoors inside. And so now you have to be very, very particular about the environment. And if you miss one little thing and you're making your own indoor environment, you're losing, you're losing that crop. And if you're spraying pesticides inside, isn't that unhealthy? That's unhealthy. But what happened is in the legal market, they have, they have outlawed pesticides. You can't have pesticides in legal pot. Really? They're not allowed. Okay. So it's all organic. Uh, not exactly organic. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. But it's. But there's certain pesticides that cannot be used. There are things that you can use. You do. At, you do. Add you put them it. in the soil. They're, they're not sprayed on the on the plants. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is a topic we could talk about over and over again. I'm wondering, Andrew, if you come back uh, at some point. We've. Yeah, we'll we need updates. Yeah, we we'll we'll need updates, and hopefully you can come back and give you give us those. I love to. I love to. Thank you very much for having me today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And and we have a great property for you too. If if you need more space, closer to Boston, Broker Talk is a weekly podcast hosted by real estate industry professionals and always dedicated to telling it like it is. Don't bogart that joint. Until My next friend. week, this is Jim. We say goodbye. Adios and a baba buoy to you all. Don't bogart that joint, my friend. <laughs>